your future work better. All Things Automotive with the petrol head, Nico Smith. Nico, on the couch with a cup of coffee, I thought that you would actually come into studio today. Yes, I, I had a, um, um, it. It didn't work out, unfortunately. I'm so sorry, Michelle. <laughs> what you were you were partying too hard last night? Is what you're saying? <laughs> no, <laughs> not exactly. Although I had some very good red wine uh, last night, ah. uh, really good cabernet. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we're allowed to say the wine form, but it was really it was fabulous. So. Um, so, Nico, this car that we, we're going to talk about two cars, but I know that the first car you're going to talk about is one that has been um, auctioned for the most money ever. I think it's one of the top 10 most expensive auctions ever. Yeah, you seem to be, uh, you oh, not seem to, you're really on the ball. So I thought I'd just send you the picture initially because I didn't know if you would know this information. I know everything, pal, except sports, uh, oh, sorry, except sports and geography. And <laughs> we could add a few other things to that as well. But, but cars, definitely. <laughs> So, so you know, um, so in the 1930s, um, Mercedes-Benz um, took part in Grand Prix racing and, and um, successfully. And their engineer was a guy by the name of uh, Rudolf Ullenhout. Um, I hope I pronounced that right. So he was a famous engineer, half British and, and, and half German. Uh, after the Second World War, um, Mercedes-Benz then contacted them again to work on their race cars. They, um, and uh, part of that was, of course, taking the SL and developing the SLR, which is, uh, I think the SL Mercedes-Benz and the SLR are probably one of them, definitely one of the most beautiful cars ever designed. So um, effectively then, being an engineer, of course, he set up the car, but he was also quite handy with the steering wheel. You know, he was quite a, um, uh, himself quite capable, even though because he was an engineer, he really didn't race. And there's a story that once, um, Fangio, which is um, um, seen as one of the best racing drivers ever, five times Formula One champion, after the Nuremberg Ring complained that the car wasn't set up properly. So Ullenhaus apparently um, just got in, in the car when his work clothes um, and lapped the Nuremberg Ring about three seconds quicker than, than uh, Fangio and said, well, listen, maybe Fangio has to practice a little bit. So extremely capable guy himself, and, but he was known for his engineering exploits. Um, and Mercedes-Benz had built two of these SLR race cars. Um, so what happened is effectively he, he took the car and made it his company car. So two were built to ever, and one of them actually just became his company car that he drove to to work and back and, and, and drove around in. And that stood in the Mercedes-Benz Museum for a long time, and it wasn't actually um, you, even on display, um, but you can imagine how rare this car is. And as you said, actually not one of the top 10, Michelle, the most expensive car ever sold. Um, do you have an idea of how many... Uh, what it was sold at, if you had to yeah, guess. Yeah, I do know. It was it was in rands. It was billions. Yeah, it is in pounds. Um, one um, hundred and fifteen million pounds. One one five million pounds. So um, my understanding, and Max was never my thing. That's why I'm into cars. <laughs> um, is that a thousand million is a billion? Would that be correct? Yes. So, so, so in fact, it's asked, like two. It was. It went for about over two billion rands. It's two. Uh, two point two billion rands. Yep, that's correct. I mean, I, 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 can't, I can't even think in million rands, uh, let alone billion rands. It's like the so, GDP of a very small country. That is, it is. But what, what really, what I, um, what I really like about this is Mercedes Benz are actually going to use that money um, to fund educational and research scholarships yes. for in, environmental science decarbonization for young people. I don't know if they're decarbonizing young people or young people will research decarbonization of the planet. But 
um, effectively, uh, they're using the money um, in a good way uh, and, and tying it back into, into the people, which I definitely think is excellent. And, and somebody, somebody somewhere bought himself a very rare car. But, of course, financially, I think also this person is doing quite well. Um, but, you know, just have a look at the car. It is an absolute... It's, uh, you know, it's such a beautiful car. It's like it's got this long bonnet, which is just gorgeous. But, Nico, a couple of the things that I did hear about it, and maybe you can comment on it further. I was interested in the fact that only two of these cars were made and that they sat in the museum, the Mercedes-Benz Museum. And I thought, how interesting that they, A, never made it for sale, um, so it was obviously a, 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 what do you call them? A, um, just, a, you know, it was, it was like a test yeah. thing yeah, yeah. and that they chose to sell one out of the two. That was, for me, that was interesting. The other thing that was interesting is apparently, and I heard that the sound of it, mm-hmm. the engine is like this growl. It's not like a normal, it's like, it's, it's, what's it like a V3? V some I don't know but it, but it's it's a straight eight. What do you think? What would it make the sound for us? It's, it's, like, it's, it's not <laughs> Fabulous. It's, it's it's not like a it's not even like a V8 which is this is like a kind of growl. Yes. So okay, so on the first point, actually um, this is a race car, so they had road cars. Yeah. Um and they, um, of course, um, then would uh, set up or, or actually develop race cars, race car versions of their road cars. So that's what the SLR was. And um, there were only two built because it was actually a race car. Yeah. So that's why it wasn't sold to the public. Um, and then, of course, um, at this stage, Ullenhardt was the boss of um, the, the racing department. So that's, he just chose one of these things as his, as his road car. Um, uh, and then the reason for the engine, it, it's a straight eight. So... Um, of course, that's an engine that you don't get a lot because it's quite. A, that's why the bonnet is so so long, because all the cylinders sit in line. It takes a lot of space. But race cars normally uh, just they sound they just a bomb. They just sound you know much nicer than a road car because um, you don't have to um, worry about noise regulations. You don't really care if people go deaf inside the car. Racing drivers are expendable, so they can't hear anymore. <laughs> that's their problem. Um, you know they are they they there to drive the thing. Uh, there's apparently, uh, I read um, um, that he apparently went deaf in older age because of all the noise working next to the act where hearing aid because of all the ra- you noise know, all the race cars always made. Yeah. So yes, it would. It, I don't know what the sound is like, but I'm sure it, it's just fabulous. But it it didn't have to travel on the road and it yeah. wasn't about noise regulation. No, so, I, I, yeah, just something the, awesome. The, the sound was utterly gorgeous, and I suppose I suppose in closing, when you think about it. Mm. Um, is it going to? You think? Do you think that the uh, the person who bought it, who is nameless and apparently prefers to remain nameless, which I can sort of understand mm-hmm. as well? Do you yeah, think it's? Um, do you think it's that the, the person who bought it is going to drive it, or do you think they're going to just? I don't know. Um, and normally, people that don't really they they probably have a private collection. I hope but, you know they don't drive it necessarily. These cars, you can imagine, if you run out of talent. Um, it's not easily fixable. Yeah. Um, also, the the um, if you don't drive it all the time, uh, that's a, the, the other side of that. Then things will become you know become problems. So just the upkeep and, and making sure it's running and the engine is running is probably quite a lot. Mm. Um, there would be a reason why Mercedes-Benz would have sold it. Um, but the fact is that um, hopefully they drive it. So it could be that a person like this would say, um, uh, you know, maybe there's big motor shows and at rare motor shows like Goodwood. Maybe the person, the owner, or he would get a racing driver. He may, maybe would get one of the Mercedes-Benz racing drivers to drive the car, let's say, at Goodwood. Um, 
But otherwise, the car, um, I can't see it being driven a lot, not because it's so valuable. Um, just, uh, but, you know, so I, I, let's, let's just say the car again if somebody wants to have a look at what it is. It's the Mercedes-Benz 300 yeah. SLR Ullenhout with a U, Ullenhout Coupe. And, and just a quick, quick, um, uh, a quick, uh, a quick note. That it, I mean, if you look at it, it's like it's got it's those doors that open up upwards. Gull wing so, doors. so they're like gull wing doors. What did you call them? Gull wing doors. Mm-hmm. Refer to gull wing. So as an as an uh, a seagull. So, yeah, gull wing doors. Geez, I didn't know that. That's so interesting. Okay, so this car has gull wing doors. Absolutely <laughs> gorgeous. Absolutely. And the reason was um, um, because they first had, um, if you look at the road car, the, the road car actually had normal um, doors, but it was a convertible. So when they put the roof up, there wasn't space to have the normal doors. So in other words, the, you could, the, the, um, this, of course, is based on a road car. So the, if you just uh, Google uh, or search for Mercedes-Benz um, Gullwing, um, that's the image that you'll get of the road cars. And you'll see some famous actresses in the 1950s and 60s that actually drove these Gullwing cars. Not, of course, the, the SLR, but the road version of the Gullwing. And yeah, one of the most beautiful cars ever made. Okay, the name for all our listeners, because we all want to hear about it. We'll never have access to it. So let's just give us the name once more. Mercedes-Benz 300 SLR Ullenhout Coupe. Wonderful. Sounds absolutely gorgeous. Nico, do you want to carry on talking about cars or can I just no, let's, quickly let's, ask let's, you a question? The, yeah, no, yeah, let's jump into the questions because I think there's a few. Okay. So, um, someone, uh, Tabang Matabani is asking a very interesting question. Yes. So, Tabang says most used cars on sale have engine or gearbox oil leaks. And Tabang wants to know, can he risk buying such a car and hoping to fix it or is that an absolute no-no? Okay, I wouldn't say most cars have oil leaks or gearbox leaks, um, actually, in the most second-hand cars. Uh, it depends on where you're looking at the cars and where you're buying the cars. Yeah. Um, as soon as they have a leak, um, you can be in for a lot of money. So I would walk away from cars that have oil leaks or gearbox leaks, except if you are yourself um, a, a mechanic and can work and fix the car, because those things can be quite expensive. So if you're looking for cars, um, there's two. Normally, you can either get, uh, get an AA report or a DECRA, D-E-K-R-A, DECRA report. Uh, and DECRA is a company that um, goes through the car. So um, if you buy certain companies, they will have a DECRA report. So ask for one because DECRA would have gone through the car and said, okay, this is fine, but it needs a new, new CV boot in the front left. And uh, there's a crack on the gearbox or so it's leaking oil. Um, and that gives you a good indication. And some things like uh, are easy to fix. But oil leaks, I, I would always be worried about because you don't know exactly what's happened in that gearbox. So personally, there are lots and lots of cars um, uh, available on the second-hand market. So I, I, you know, I would personally not do that. I would and also, as I said, it depends on where you're searching. So um, if you're just searching where, um, you know, maybe in an area where, well, at a dealership where all the cars seem to have oil leaks, just widen your search. Okay, so Tabang, just be very careful on that one. Nico, I mean... One of the, the reason that I think it's an interesting question as well is I, I'm kind of wondering what happens if you don't even know that that car's got an oil leak because maybe they like you know you say, are you meant to like look under the car lie under the car etc. No, no, that and that is uh, that is a worry for a lot of people which I uh, completely understand. I would also if you're buying a second-hand car, it's always difficult um, 
But if you're looking underneath, uh, oil leaks, you, you can wipe it, but the oil is always going to drip out again. So as soon as the car moves back, you'll see that little dark mark where the oil, where the oil has dripped. So one little drop, drip underneath. And you can see it. So if the car's standing there, um, after a few hours you move it, there should be a drop of oil. Um, not necessarily because if you've run out of oil to drip, um, you know, that's not going to happen, but then the car will have some warning light. So normally if you're buying a car, or ideally a full service history would be great. Yeah. Um, you'd also make sure that the car has a warranty. That's also another way to buy a car. Is to because There are places that buy the car, switch to it. You buy the car, you drive out of here, if the wheels fall off, that's your problem. When yeah. you're buying a car with a warranty, that also makes a difference. So there are some, some very, very good second-hand places um, that give you a warranty with a car as well. So if there is an issue, uh, they will fix the issue. Yeah. So um, rather buy from places that are reputable. Um, I, I, I have um, um, some friends I know that in Foot Tracker Road, as an example in Pretoria, they have a fabulous name um, and they sell really good um, second-hand cars. Um, but they always have the cars or what we call clean so clean cars means that the cars don't have issues. They back the cars with a good warranty. So if something happens, they will fix it because their name is at stake. Mm-hmm. So um, if the guy doesn't want to give you a warranty on the car, they don't, then you also should worry about it. Yeah. Um, because So that's what I also would look okay. for is a, a good warranty with the vehicle. So Tabang, if you hear that, make sure it has a warranty. Got a question for you here? <laughs> Sister Michelle! The car goes what? <laughs> With the price of petrol. You don't want that, Sister Michelle. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think your son is better, Michelle. Your straight out son is better. That okay, sounds like a problem. So- um, Gregory in KwaZulu-Natal says, what is your take on the government releasing info to public on all cars that were write-offs but converted to Code 21? Gregory says he heard it on SFM. Do you, I, I'm not sure what that... Cars that were write-offs but are converted to Code 21. So, so what happens is um, um, it's a, uh, sometimes cars are, what, what, cars are written off, so the, the accident damage is quite, quite expensive. So let's say, for example... The car is worth 100,000 rands, um, but the accident damage is 80,000 rands. Then they're going to write off the car because it, it doesn't make viable sense to fix the car. So um, then uh, somebody else would buy the car and say, listen, okay, let me buy this car for 50,000 and fix it for 50 and sell it and make a, small, uh, make a bit of a profit on it. And maybe my math isn't exactly right, but that's roughly what happens. Or maybe they make more. So, so then what happens is you're buying a car that... Um, it's like, you know, if you take a straw and once you bend a straw, it's never as strong as it was. You know, it's always going to bend at that bend again. So certain cars, once they're written off, you can fix them, but the body isn't as strong as it was. So if you're in an accident, it is not going to give you the same protection as when it was, you know, not broken. So um, that, um, that type of car, then sometimes you could buy it. And exactly as the previous example, you buy it at a, a secondhand dealer. You don't know that the car was written off before. So when you're driving something, it might be okay, or then there's issues along the way, or in an accident, then unfortunately the car doesn't protect you like it should. So what they're saying is, and I, again, I missed this information, um, is that um, you should be aware that this car that you're buying is written off. That anyway should be a good practice, um, because you might be paying less for it, and sometimes you pay the same amount, 
but you're not aware that the car's actually being in a serious accident and the damage is quite a lot. Um, mm. The thing is, normally also in, in certain uh, accidents, um, just replacing airbags is very expensive. If you because if your car's in an accident and let's say it looks okay, but the airbags, um, the driver and the passenger airbag and the dash, astronomical to to uh, the cost to fix it. So then they would just write off the car. And then again, maybe some, there's always unfortunately somebody that's taking a chance. They would just buy a new dash, but don't replace the airbags. So the airbags aren't necessarily in the car. So and it's not always the case, but that's what it means basically. The car um, is too expensive to fix, um, or it's been too, it's damaged too much. And the car um, is not actually going to be in the same state that it was originally. Somebody buys it and fixes it and sells it. Okay, someone wants to know, South African hydrogen-driven trucks, is there a possibility cars will also follow? Hydrogen-driven trucks? Yeah, so hydrogen, effectively hydrogen um, cars are electric cars. So you take the hydrogen and and the hydrogen um, produces electricity um, that drives the car. So you you have a hydrogen tank. So you fill it up, like you fill it up with petrol, you fill it up with hydrogen. Um, I actually know that, um, I think Yamaha actually have converted, I think it's a... You think who? Yamaha, you know Yamaha, the motorbike guys. Um, so are you, is, is it Yamaha or is it Yamaha? Yamaha. I don't know Yamaha. <laughs> I don't know the right way to pronounce Yamaha. But <laughs> Yamaha, like the guys that make, um, actually they make pianos as well. So the yes. piano, um, sound, and motorbike manufacturer have got a V8 that they converted to run on hydrogen. So it's a normal engine, but normally hydrogen is electric. Um, the, 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 the the issue with hydrogen is. Um, a lot of manufacturers have tried it, and they haven't been successful. The, the process of getting developing the, the, the hydrogen is, is an expensive process and takes a lot of energy. So there could be a worry of, you know, maybe once you drive the, 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 the hydrogen car yourself, I think the byproduct is, is water. Um, but the downside is to, 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 to the energy needed to develop the hydrogen is quite expensive. So um, it doesn't work. A lot of manufacturers have tried it. I think in America... In California and, and another state, possibly, there are hydrogen cars running and you can buy a hydrogen and filling stations. But as far as I know, that's the only place. It's not okay. successful. It's too expensive. Okay, quick comment here. Good morning, Kathy. Can you ask our petrol head? Um, I fill up fuel diesel at a few filling stations, okay? And at some filling stations, I find that my mileage... I get per kilometer is different. What I need to know, what I want to know is which is better to follow. Should I go and fill up regularly at the filling station that gives me more mileage for my fuel or the one that I get less mileage for my fuel? Um, Sometimes it's 6.2 kilometers, uh, 6.2 liters per hundred kilometers and sometimes i'm on 8.9 liters oh, per hundred kilometers um which is the better one to go with so i'm not sure why she's calling you kathy but there we go um, <laughs> <laughs> neither am i so, okay so, so, so quickly probably, definitely definitely you'd fill up um it probably could be that the one is sassel which has a lower sulfur content and that is going to affect the fuel, fuel um consumption so definitely um, filling stations that have a higher turnover. And if you're getting much better fuel consumption, um, if you, you're feeling the difference and it's not your driving style, you've got to go there, even if it's more expensive. Diesel cars, when they rely on clean diesel, so don't put the dirty 
up in there. So um, it could be that one of them sassel and sassel is a low sulfur content and that's why it's so light. Nico, we're out of here. Thanks a lot and we'll chat next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Nine o'clock, time for the news. Good morning.